Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I feel like this morning I want to equip you uh, with some uh, a level of information, uh, ideally that you can get some revelation from. Uh, right, this is, uh, this is a progression in our life. We confront with information, and the Holy Spirit works through information to illuminate something to us in our own lives. That's revelation. And then it's our responsibility to take that and go, God, help me to have application in my life. Many of us as believers live on a diet of revelation. We never apply it, and so we don't see transformation. And we wonder why we remain stuck, because we come to church every week, we sit under some great teaching, I like to think it's great teaching from our preaching team, and we get this revelation, and then, and then we leave, and Monday through Friday, we don't do anything with the revelation, it was good then, but we don't do anything with it, and then we arrive back on Sunday, and, and we, we're like, I'm just not changing, I'm not progressing. And I want to encourage you this morning that the keys to progression in in who you are and in becoming like Jesus, the keys to that are actually in your hands. It is not impossible. It is not out of reach. There is no component of your life in which you remain so stuck that you are not able to break out of that with the power of the Holy Spirit and the application of His revelation in your life. You can absolutely do it. Told you I haven't preached in seven weeks. We're going to try something new this morning, though, which is going to be fun. I'm just prepping you. I'm prepping the team. Uh, Chris is going to be there for a, in a little bit. But I'm going to try uh, to, to, to teach more and preach less. Uh, but we're going to try to do some live like teaching on the screen. I've got, I've got a little tablet thing here that hopefully I'm going to be able to draw on and you're going to see it. It's going to be super fun. Uh, so, so in doing that, I want to encourage you this morning, if in most of our messages you don't take notes, let this one be maybe your first attempt at taking notes in church. Do you know why I believe in taking notes in church? There it is. There it is. Look, ready? Watch this. Watch this. We're just going to test it out. Oh, yes. This is going to be really fun this morning. Um, and I, get, I can erase it at the same time. I can, I can, if, you're not, if you're not preaching loud enough, I can just put respond. <laughs> so s- subtle reminder to you not to leave me up here hanging. And, you know, silence to a preacher is, is the worst thing in the world. Because we just, we just have, we're just questioning, is it, is it making sense? Am I saying this right? Is it, like, do people even care? Um, so this is why I encourage you, like, let, let the preacher know that, wow, this is, like, this is actually speaking to me. This is helping me. Um, we want a culture of that in our church. So anyway, before I get carried away, a couple of things. Number one, uh, welcome to every person who is visiting this morning. Uh, just love having you with us. We have had so many people visiting over the last few weeks, um, and I want to encourage you, if we have them out, I don't know if we have them out this week, the, the Connect cards, if we have them out, uh, and, and maybe you're online and you visited over previous weeks, please use that, because actually we really want to invite you to what we call our welcome party. We have a welcome party coming up in a few weeks, and we want to be able to send you an invite. So connect with us so we can do that. Second thing I want to really speak into is uh, on Thursday night this week, which is a little bit shocking to me. I thought it was a little further away, but <laughs> Thursday night this week, we have our first men's night of the year. 
It is going to be fantastic. Uh, it is not oriented around any particular sports event, in case you're trying to jog your memory, what's coming up on Thursday night? Am I missing a sports event in the calendar? No, you're not. Uh, Thursday night is going to be centered around asking the question, how as men do we actually, authentically, move towards a better relationship with the Holy Spirit? Uh, So I want to encourage you to be there. That is a great question to ask, to have a conversation about, um, and then to look at applying some of the things that we talk about. So Thursday night, 7 o'clock for a 7.30 start. Uh, We're going to have burgers as well. Obviously, we need food. Uh, Men love food, but it's going to be a great night. Let's get to some scripture this morning. Proverbs 16.9 says this, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Proverbs 20 verse 24 says, The Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? And lastly, Psalm 37:23, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you're here with us, that you want to speak this morning. Lord, I pray right now that you would, through through your Holy Spirit, help our hearts to be open. Give us the capacity to receive this morning. Uh, In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Fantastic. You know, uh, some of you would know, uh, yesterday, uh, a number of us uh, from our our, our staff, our ministry team, we did, we did a, little, a little run. We went on a 22K trail race, and uh, we were completely obliterated by Callan Hoppy. But that's not part of the story, really. Um, he, he literally finished this run 36 minutes before I did. Um, he finished in an hour and 55. I finished in two hours 31. Uh, he's a machine, and uh, you can give him, give him a proper clap. It's worth it. He finished uh, eighth overall in the entire race, which is phenomenal. Uh, but, but there's been many occasion, occasions where I've been on, been on a run with some of these guys. And one in particular, I was thinking the other day, uh, was that pastor's retreat a few years ago. We used to do a pastor's retreat up uh, near Patterson, up past Vasey in the mountains. It was beautiful. And uh, there was one particular pastor's retreat where Pastor Simo and I went on this, this trail run along these trails that we hadn't been on before. We're like, let's just do an exploration. Let's just, we'll just go. It'll be fantastic. And it started to kind of get dark. And we're like, we're like, we don't know where we are. We have no idea uh, where we are. We have no idea how to, how to get back to where we're staying. Um, and, and we started to be like, this, we should probably sort this out. Like, we've got dinner soon. We need to get back. And, um, and the cool thing was that the Pastor Simo had this new watch at the time. He's replaced it now with like an epic watch. But this new watch had this feature called Take Me Home. And so at any point, you could, you could go to that feature on the watch, you could touch screen, like click it and go, take me back home somehow, and irrespective of where you were, it would start to direct you on, on, a, on a brand new route that would take you right back to where you began the run from. It's fantastic, right? So, so he presses this feature, because we didn't know where we were, and we knew that we'd run too far on the particular trail to just backtrack, that was going to take too long. We're like, we need an immediate 
immediate exit strategy. Um, and so he pressed this, this feature, and it's like, right, it's like this little arrow pops up, turn right. So we turn right, it's like, you know, pointing us straight ahead, which was like, an, like almost a cliff face. And we're like, I don't know if we should believe this feature, but... But, but, but we did, and, and, and before we knew it, we were sort of scrambling up this cliff, popping up into this person's backyard, kind of, kind of like moving around their house a little bit, popped out onto the road right near where we were staying, and we are like, this thing is out of control, good, like we just, it just like, totally made us home, it was amazing. I was so happy in that day for, for this feature that was able to like direct us back to where we were trying to get to. Um, and I tell you that story because there is, there is a significance in understanding how to get to our destination. And, and we're entering a series right now that we are entitling Revision. Revision as a revision of our vision, but also as a recalibration of where we're actually trying to move to as a church. You see, God has given us a picture, an image, some language to describe what his desire is for this community. And our vision is that we would be a home for hope, that we would be a home for hope individually, collectively, locationally, organizationally, that it would apply to every level of how we describe ourselves as a community. But last June, Who Loves Vision Month in June, it's fantastic, got gala coming up again this year, which is going to be super cool. But every year we release what we call our vision focus. What component of moving towards being a home for hope, if that's the big picture, what What small part of that do we feel like God is saying over the next 12 months, aim at that. Over the next 12 months, focus on building that. Teach into that. Speak about that. Structure that. Put some resource behind that. Um, And the vision focus that we had was that small is significant. That small is significant. Which sounds a little bit counterproductive until you realize that so many components of life function on that truth where small is actually really significant. Like we could think of, of biology, right? Where, where actually the cell is, it, it, like, like we think we are the big, we're the big picture, but the, the small, the health of each of our cells, the small is actually really significant. And so when we move towards a destination, we, we require a recalibration. We require a, a, a direction shift. Like when you're, when you're sailing, I know we have like some sailors in here. I'm not a sailor, but I do like boats. Um, You've got you to maintain, make sure that you, you remain on, on course, which is not just a course you set once and then forget. It's a course that you continually correct along the way to ensure that you actually arrive at your destination. And so what you need is you need a direction. The second thing you need, if you're actually going to arrive, is some, some form of distance. You need to travel. You need to move. You can't remain stationary and expect to arrive in a destination. So we actually have to have some form of distance. And so direction and distance are going to be key in this series. We're going to ask ourselves, what does it look like to reset the direction? And then what does it actually look like to move towards that? The scriptures that we we read this morning are really clear that movement in the kingdom of God is not in leaps and bounds. It's actually in the small. 
Like, like running, running the run we ran yesterday, we ran 22Ks. It seems big for some people, but Cal Hoppy's running a 60K later this year, uh, which is pretty mind-blowing to me uh, and seems really significant. But the truth is that, that no matter the distance, no matter the, the scope or how far you feel like you have to travel or how far we as a community feel like we've got to go to achieve the vision that God has for us, the component in that is the same. It's a step because small is significant. If you take one step in the wrong direction, you're not moving towards the right destination. But every step you take is significant. And so when we talk about vision in particular, we're talking about this small component. And when we talk about being a home for hope, the smallest component of that is each and every one of you. It's, it's you being a home for hope as an individual. You are the smallest component of our vision. You are the most significant component of our vision. Building our Sunday service, if you will, is not as significant as contributing to building you as an individual. Your relationship with Jesus, you as a disciple, you getting breakthrough, you getting transformation, you progressing in your relationship with him. You, because you contribute to us. And, and, and the growth in you creates the growth in us. And so we've got to understand that just like the cell in a body or just like, just like the other small components in life, the health of the small is the most significant contributor to the health of the whole. And so that puts a massive amount of significance on every single one of you. That should make you feel incredibly significant, incredibly valued. You have, you have a key role to play in this community. You know, it's interesting when we talk about the smallest unique element, I can't help but think about the atom, right? I was a science teacher for many years, and the atom, and you know the atom was named after the Greek word uncuttable. Atomos. Atomos in the Greek meaning uncuttable. Cuttable. And when they, when, they, when, they, when they kind of came up with this idea that the atom is the smallest single element of life, this, it is the building block, it is the thing that is uncuttable, in many ways they were kind of correct. Except that now we know that that one uncuttable thing actually has these individual components to it. Right, if you know any science, you know that an atom is made up of electrons, it's got a nucleus, it's got protons, it's got neutrons, and now actually we know that you can split those as well. You can split a neutron, you've got quanta and quarks, and we're getting into quantum uh, uh, physics and things like that, which we won't on a Sunday morning, but, <laughs> but it's true, this thing that is defined as uncuttable and indivisible is actually clearly distinguishable with individual components. And, you know, it's interesting when you think about it like that and you realize that, uh, that actually we as an individual are made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God. We're made to be temples of the Holy Spirit as an individual. When we talk about being a home for hope as an individual, we're talking about you as a living, breathing temple of the Holy Spirit, which is significant, but then, but then on another level, we are the temple. Of the Holy Spirit. And so when we gather, we should experience a magnification 
of the presence of the Holy Spirit that, that each one of us is bringing and contributing into the collective temple gathering of the community of believers. Peter says it like this. He says, you are living stones being built up into the temple. But Paul says that you individually are a temple. So it's both and, but us as an individual contribute to the expression of the collective. And so this morning, what I really want to do is I want to, I want to equip you with a level of understanding as to who you are as an individual so that you can take some responsibility of who you are and how you're moving in your relationship with Jesus because I can't do that for you. I can do a whole lot of things that are going to contribute and set up and try to facilitate the collective components of who we are as a church, but what I can't do is do you. I can't take responsibility for your quality of relationship with Jesus. I can't take responsibility for your quality of thought life. I can't take responsibility for what you pour into your life during the week. I can make sure I set a banquet of food from the Bible every Sunday, but you cannot survive on one meal per week as a believer. So what I want to do is I want to equip you. Paul in Ephesians says that my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So when you leave this place, you go to work, you go to minister to the unbelieving people that exist all around us. Yes, I will minister to you, but your job is to minister to those out there. And so my job is to equip you so you're able to do that. And so this morning, I want to equip you so you know who you are and what makes you up so that you are better equipped to work on you. Is that okay? Can we do that this morning? So the first thing we have to understand about ourselves is that we are made in the image of God. It is a theological concept called the imago Dei, the image of the deity, the image of God. You are made, you are formed, you are created in the image of God. How about I write that up? How about we test this thing out? The imago Dei. There we go. Did we get that? Have I, have I disconnected, Chris? We're good? All right, I think it'll come back. You'll see it on there. The Imago Day, made in the image of God. And so if we are to understand ourselves, we have to understand something about God. This is, this is, this is called systematic theology, okay? And, and, and I don't want a church that is an, a, a, a mile wide and an inch deep in your understanding of theology because you know what happens when, when, when we build a church like that? We are swayed by every new teaching. We have no maturity. We have no depth. We have no stability when the winds blow and the storms come. And so we need to understand a few things. And we need to understand if we are made in the image of God, well, then we should be asking, okay, so, so do I understand enough about God to understand how I've been made? So the first thing we know about God is that God is a Trinitarian God. Big word. Okay, we know we believe in the Trinity, right? But most of us don't know what that means, and that's okay. Until we realize that if we're made in the image of God, then there is some aspect of that aspect of God that is reflected in us. We know that God is a creator. That should explain why we as humanity are creative, because we're made in the image of God. We love relationship. Why? Because, because we are made to love like God is made. He is love. And so there is that aspect in our creation that is in alignment with being made in the image of God. When it comes to the fact that God is a, a trinity, God is a three and yet one, he is Father, Son, and Spirit, there is something of this that we need to understand to understand ourselves. So the best way to explain 
that I can, that I can kind of formulate from, from study and things like that is that, that when he is, when we are talking about the oneness of God, we are explaining his divine nature, his, his very essence, that his, what, what, what forms him as God, what is God, his divineness, it is one. So, so whether it is Father, Son, or Spirit, they are one. Their divine nature is, is, it is not the same because it's not replicated. It is just one. There is one God. There is one divine nature. He is God. It is God. Okay. However, for the purpose or the fulfillment of purpose and functionality, there is distinction in that divine nature's expression. So there is one divine nature that for the fulfillment of purpose and function has distinct expression. And so they are expressed as Father, Son, and Spirit. Distinct, able to have relationship with each other and yet be one. Okay, we're supposed to be aware and we're supposed to pursue understanding, but let's not expect to ever fully grasp the entirety of the Trinitarian nature of our God. However, the very fact that he is three and yet one gives us a level of understanding of ourselves. Because we often think of ourselves, well, I'm just me. Yes, you are you as one, you are an individual, and yet you are three. You are made in the image of God, one but three. You as an individual are one but three. You online, you are one but three. Why? Because two, uh, sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 makes it really clear. It says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that what we believe is indivisible is actually, by the word of God, incredibly distinguishable and separable in one level of expression. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. And so within us, there is, yes, we are one, and yet we have these, indis- we have these distinguishable components around function and purpose. Our body as a body has a specific function that is slightly different to our spirit and our soul, but yet it is, it is us, it is one. Are we following with this this morning? How about I draw a picture? Would that help? Would that help if I draw a picture? All right. This is, this is gonna, Pastor Darren's going to love this because Pastor Darren loves Venn diagrams. All right. And this is a great way to visually express how we are three but one, okay? So we are, oh yes, it's working. Well done, Chris. Everyone give Chris a round of applause. So we are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. But we are one, we are, indis- we are we, we, you can't separate them out separately. Even when we go to heaven for eternity, we will have a body, a soul, a spirit. We don't suddenly leave this earth and be this little hovering spirit around as if the body didn't matter. No, because we are eternally the image of God, three as one. So let's, let's, let's think a little bit about this. So what role does the body play in us, right? The body experiences the physical world. 
I'm trying to use my, right, my, my neat writing, but I'm rushing a little bit, so bear with me. It experiences the physical world. We're aware of our five senses. Okay? Uh, we are... What is that word? Oh, this is... This is, this is <laughs> behaviour. So our behaviour comes from our body. But here's the interesting thing. In the same way that although... Father, Son, and Spirit are distinguishable through function. They are constantly in direct influential connection at the same time. So the Father is not the Father without the Son because there's no Son. It's only, the, it's only in the, the expression of Father and Son in which that relationship isn't, even exists as an expression. So you remove one in influencing itself, and it's no longer there. It's not required, okay? And so, and so we have to understand that there is a constant influence that each has on the other. And so if we, if we look at our soul, we're talking about our mind, our thoughts, our emotions. Who knows, like, when you're feeling flat, your body feels like it has no energy. Or, or when you leave the service today because your spirit has been fed, somehow your emotions feel lighter and lifted. Like when we talk about you can walk into church and you should leave different, you should leave different because your spirit should have connected with the living God and so it should be fueling the influence that it has on your soul and your body. Okay, you might feel less tired, but I'm telling you when you... So scripture tells us that we should pray with an alert mind. And I know that I, I get on the coffee bandwagon from time to time. But do you know why I appreciate coffee? Because sometimes it wakes my mind up enough to actually engage in an active prayer life. Sometimes if I have a cup of coffee, I can actually pray with an alert mind instead of floundering around my lounge room like this, which is doing nothing for my spirit. So sometimes you should do 10 push-ups or go for a, a little jog around the block before you pray and you might find that your prayer life actually stirs your spirit and does something for your soul. Instead of trying to pray when you are still half asleep and you're like, oh well, it's not doing anything. No, it's not doing anything because your body is affecting your spirit and therefore it is affecting your soul. You cannot detach one from the, the, the influence that it has on who you are as a three. It's the same reason why when we're sick, we struggle to have faith. And some of us are great, right? Because we have great discipline in feeding the Spirit. And we're feeding the Spirit. And so despite our body's state, we're still being fed. But for a lot of us, we get a headache, faith's out the window. I can't even worship with a headache, right? You know what I mean? There's this influential aspect and sometimes I think as believers, we think, I'm just going to change if I work on my spirit. But actually, we are, we are all of this. And our progression is, it's important to understand that, that actually God wants us to work on all of who we are. Because he understands the interrelatability between our body, our physical health, and our soul, our emotions, and our spirit. Now, now I get a, I get a, I get a motor here, but but Proverbs seventeen twenty two says says this. It says a cheerful heart, soul, right, is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength, body. 
So I'm just going to throw some scriptures at you that, that help to illuminate this interrelatability. In Proverbs, it's, a, it, it, it's actually really fantastic because Proverbs articulates this three yet one quite a bit. So if you're looking for scriptures that, that speak into this interrelatability, here's one of them. Soul, spirit, body, all in one scripture. Proverbs 15, 13. It says, a glad heart, a glad soul, happy emotions, not joy, emotions. A glad heart makes a happy face. Sometimes a happy face can help your spirit come alive. Like when you walk into church, try a smile and see if your spirit wants to engage in worship a bit more. A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart, soul, crushes your spirit. Your emotional state can have a significant effect on your spirit. Now this, the level of effect doesn't change when you become a believer. So let's, let's, just, let's just make sure we've got good understanding here. This, this is what we're explaining, body, soul, spirit. This is a reality for every human on the planet. Okay? So, so a great question to ask is, well, what happens when I get saved then? If I can, I'm going to do this. You see, because, because Scripture tells us that when we are unsaved, there is death. And so there is something within us. Like, like getting saved is not just, not just my sins got forgiven. It's not just going from darkness to light. It's going from death to life. Like we're actually dead on the inside. The very thing in this entire created universe that is life is God. God is life. He is the eternal existence of life. So without him, what is within us is actually death. It's why we, it's, but when we get saved, we receive what? Life. And so, and so when we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. And so we actually receive life into us, a life that is now coming from beyond us. So now it is not, we are not trying to manage our emotions just on our own. We're not trying to make sure we've got a healthy spirit just on our own. We're not trying to do all of this on our own. No, no, no. We have something that has come from outside of us to live within us and empower us to do what we are actually unable to do on our own. We are unable, okay? We are unable to do those things on our, but when we get the Holy Spirit in us, that is the same power that raise Christ from the dead, and suddenly we have a power that enables us to overcome ourselves. The other thing that happens when we get saved is Scripture tells us we are born again. And that's a strange concept. If you're a parent and you've seen birth and you're like, I don't get it. And if you don't get it, that's okay. Because in the Bible, there's a guy called Nicodemus and he didn't get it either. Okay. And he's having a conversation with Jesus and still didn't get it. Okay. It's recorded in the gospel of John and Nicodemus is like born again. What am I supposed to like somehow return? That doesn't work. Okay. And Jesus is like, no, no, it's not a physical rebirth. 
right? Again, recognizing that there is this separate distinguishability of our individuality, okay? And that we can be born again in one component, and yet it not, not, it's not a physical rebirth. It is actually a, a spiritual rebirth. And so now we have a, a new spirit. And so when we read scripture that says things like, my, my, my sinful nature has been crucified on the cross of Christ, that's because that old spirit that drove everything about you, you see, we know what the body does. We've talked about what the soul is. It's our mind, our thoughts. Do you want to know what the spirit is? The spirit is the driver. The spirit creates or drives our desires. Now, our actual desires, they sit over here, okay? And they, but what drives and what creates, you could say that this, this is our, our motive over here, okay, it is, it, is, it is the power source, the petrol of us. That's what our spirit is. And before we're saved, it can only drive in one direction. It can only drive from a sinful space because that's all it is. Scripture says we are born with a sinful fallen nature, so it can only drive in one direction. It can only create desires within us that are pursuing one form of behavior. You see, what happens is our spirit drives, our soul stores and forms. We form mindsets. We create emotional states, and then out of that, we act. Out of that, we behave. And so we're really good at recognizing sinful behavior, but we forget that it comes from a soulish mindset and a soulish state that has been powered empowered and driven and created by what is in our spirit. And this is the beauty of salvation because in that moment, one moment, that old spirit that only drove in one direction is crucified. And we are born again. We receive a new spirit that is the spirit of us. This is this new formed, pure spirit in us. And so now we actually have the capacity to drive in a direction away from sinful behaviors and sinful soulish mindsets. Sorry, sinful mindsets in our soul. But the other great thing is that not only are we reliant now just on this new spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, Scripture says, is refreshing our spirit every day. Every day your spirit is being renewed if you connect with the Holy Spirit. See, God is with you always. Proximity is never in question. Love is never in question. He loves you no matter what. Even if you make your bed in hell, He is there. But intimacy? Intimacy is a decision we make. It's a direction we walk towards. It's a, it's a, it's a relationship that we cultivate. And it's intimacy that connects His Holy Spirit with our spirit. It's this empowerment. It's, it's like, it's like I've, I've accessed a whole separate fuel source for my spirit. Whew. Thanks, man. Whew. It's great when we understand the distinct and yet indivisible reality of who we are we actually become positioned to know enough about ourselves to work out what's going on. Like, like do I need a, do I have some mindsets? Like, 
I don't know if you've had experiences like me where, where you come to altar call after altar call to get prayed for, breakthrough. It's like, you're like, it kind of doesn't work after a while. No, it does work. It works in your spirit. But then you need to do the work in your soul that was just birthed in your spirit. And so the scripture tells us that, that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage, right? So in your spirit, you can receive spirit to spirit breakthrough, not a problem. But maybe that's not where the issue remains now for you. Maybe it's now remains in the, in the mindsets of your soul. Now maybe it's because over the years you have built up particular ways of thinking about things, particular mindsets. And so if we don't understand that we are distinguishable as spirit, soul, and body, we think everything is my spirit's issue. No, some of you have freedom in your spirit, but you've never worked at translating that freedom in your spirit over into your soul. You've never done what Romans 12 says, which is to be re- transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your soul. Go to work on your soul, what God has done in your spirit, and eventually it will outwork your behavior. I'll tell you what else we do. We start with behavior. We try to modify our behavior, and we wonder why it doesn't seem to be changing doesn't seem to be changing because we often can't behave externally inwards. We can't modify behavior and it change a mindset. We have to change a mindset so that it changes our behavior. Now, this is, this is where most of us are like, yeah, but I can't, I can't do it. I'm just, I'm just, I just don't have what it takes to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't like discipline. Discipline's not a part of me. Discipline's not a personality, by the way. We know this because discipline resides in the space of your spirit. Your personality is your soul. But discipline is in your spirit. How do we know this? Well, we know this because of Scripture. Right? Where, where in Galatians, we are told that the fruit of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, who is in us, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, something else, and self-control. <laughs> slip into something else just in case I miss something. Faithfulness. Yeah, it's good we got some pastors in the front row, amen. Self-control is there in you because the Holy Spirit is in you. So even if you don't feel like you have it on your own, you can access the power of the Holy Spirit to build discipline in you. But you know what else? Paul tells Timothy, he said, hey, listen, you haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So, so, so we have received the capacity in our salvation. We have received the capacity to have everything we need within us to be transformed into the image of Christ. I could, I could preach so much more on this. 1 Timothy 4.8 is my verse for the year, but, but he's... Paul explained to Timothy, listen, physical training is good. Why? Because we're a body. But if you were to rank where to go to work in your life, it's really important that we work on our body. It's really important that we work on our health. It's really important that in all, to the capacity that we have, we're able to be the, the healthiest physically we can so that some physical ailment that we could actually change doesn't hinder us from doing the purpose that God has called us to. Okay? So we should work on our body. We should be healthy. 
Some of you feel like the diet you started in New Year's Day is suddenly being like validated in the house of God. But when it comes to ranking, Paul would say, by training for godliness is much better. Because at some point, it says that our body will fade away and our spirit remains strong. Right? So our physical form is not what it's meant to be all about. It's good and we should work on it. Because I never want to get to a point where something that is within my control is restricting me from, from fulfilling the, the role and the responsibility that God has asked me to perform while I'm here on planet Earth. But I do know that I will age. My body in, in its state will run out, but my spirit will be strong. And when I pass from this world into the next, I'll get a new body because I'll still be made in the image of God. So don't focus everything on your body, but don't neglect it either. By training for godliness, that's much better. It's much better. Because godliness is the transaction between your spirit and your soul. Where, your, where the Holy Spirit is speaking to your spirit, is creating these new drives of motives, these new drives of desires. So in your soul, you might desire certain things. That's where temptation lives, right? Temptation is not a sin. It's a recognition that we have desires that were formed by our sinful nature. It's not sin until we engage in it, but it should remind you that there's spaces in your soul that still have desires that have not been driven by your new spirit within you. And so we should be like, wow, there's an, that's a red, red, red light area that I can go to work on. And that's the process of godliness. Spirit to soul to spirit to soul. If we do that, it will outwork itself in our behavior. And we will start living in a way that aligns with Christ. But you know, the opposite, not the opposite. This. Sometimes change can seem really overwhelming. Like sometimes we've lived with mindsets for years. And this is, this is really important because sometimes bitterness was something that began as a physical experience. Or offense is normally because of a physical thing that occurs. Right? Like I'll say something uh, and it will be offensive to you for some reason. I apologize for that. I'm not trying, but... But what happens when it, it goes from a physical thing that occurred, we begin to ruminate on that. And it affects our soul. But, but the thing with something like bitterness and offense is they're no longer thoughts. When they become those things, they're actually rooted in our spirit. And so we can, we can have a new spirit. We can be born again. And that spirit can be affected by experiences that we've had. And we can have bitterness in our spirit. And we can have offense in our spirit. And this is where the beauty of the presence of the Holy Spirit within us is so important. Because we need the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing to our spirit. You see, if your spirit is the driver and you have offense or bitterness or, 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 or other things that are causing your, your spirit to be unhealthy, 
it will drive desires. It will drive thinking. It will drive your approach. Like, like I know so many people in the wider church right now that are, that are deconstructing their faith because they have allowed offense and bitterness and disagreement to lodge in their spirit. And so their spirit is at a point of unhealth, which is now driving how they think about things. And so rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to bring revelation and healing, what they're doing is they're allowing a sickness in their spirit to influence how they think about the church to influence how they think about other believers, to influence how they think about the Word. And so the Word does not come as the, the indisputable truth. Now they're, now they're shaping truth because of how they think, because of how they feel, because of their offense or what's in their spirit. And so this morning, I want to create an opportunity for you to respond and allow the Holy Spirit to heal your spirit. It's no longer a sinful nature that was done with at the cross. Hallelujah but it can still be a hurt spirit. It can still be a broken spirit. It can still be an offended spirit. It can still be a bitter spirit. It can still be a tired spirit. And sometimes we need to respond because if we as individuals and our health is the smallest yet most significant component of who we become as a collective, then it's actually imperative that as individuals, we are willing to deal with the things in in and of ourselves that are holding us back from being all God has called us to. And sometimes that can seem overwhelming. But you know, the truth is that I believe we overestimate the size of a single step and we underestimate how far God can take us in a year. We make these plans at the beginning of the year I'm going to be like this at the end of the year. New Year's resolution. I'm going to deal with this, blah, blah, blah. And we make our plans. But what does God do? He directs our steps. The Lord directs your steps. So don't try to understand everything. Don't try to plan it and process it and make it and do this and do that. And this is what it's going to look like for me to change. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, no, no. God directs your steps. God might be encouraging you to go and pursue some, some help. Go and see somebody to help, help process the soulish components that are at work that you, that you need to process to get healthy. Go and do that. Soul is a real part of you. Your emotions, your thoughts, they are real and influential. They're not your spirit, but they're important. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au. 